0: This is Kevin Brooker, and we are Cruising Through Retirement. You know, when you get ready to retire and you go into retirement, there's some good news that your expenses may go down after retirement, but the bad news is that some may go up. And at today's show, we're going to break that down.
1: You found Cruising Through Retirement with Kevin Brooker.
2: Welcome in, everybody. This is Cruising Through Retirement with Kevin Brooker. I'm consumer advocate Steve Siddall, and uh, looking forward to today's show. Kevin, of course, by the way, uh, 30 years in the business. He is a fiduciary. He's an independent and uh, investment advisor representative. He's an author. I can say that now. We're going to talk a little bit about his new book and uh, so much more. Hey, Kevin, what's going on?
0: Hey, you know what? It is great to be here, Steve. Always good to be here.
2: Yeah, and and so I, I like the, <laughs> I like the. Well, let me let me just say this. You sent me an advanced copy of the book. Uh, I really like what I've got so far. I haven't even had a chance to read through the whole thing. Got the first couple chapters in. Really good stuff, Kevin. Really good stuff.
0: Oh, hey, thank thank you very much. I appreciate it. You know, it's. Something that we've been talking about on the show for a while, and it, uh, you know, it wind up <laughs> taking me a little bit, took a little bit longer than expected, but uh, it has gone, you know, we've gone through the presses, uh, off the printing press, and uh, and we've got copies available for anybody that would like to give us a call and uh, make that request. All
2: right, 800-975-6717 is how you can get that started. So, um, all right, I like this. Yep, some costs go up, some go down, sounds like life, but when it comes to retirement, <laughs> being on a fixed income, we got to be aware of what's going up and what's going down
0: no question about it. And and we are we do find ourselves on a fixed income when we get to I shouldn't say we, I'm not quite yet retired. Right. Uh, but yeah, most people, you know, you're on they're on a fixed income, they've got a set amount of money coming in, right? And so what's gonna happen is that some of you, you're gonna see the expenses going up, but their your income that's coming in typically is not gonna keep up with it. And you know, one thing we'll be talking about later on is how a lot of people don't think about, for instance, their social security check. They're thinking about the check and they're thinking about the income and they probably realize there's an inflation adjustment. But probably what they don't realize is that usually the increase in Medicare premiums offsets a lot of that increase. Therefore, they wind up. That's a pleasant, that's up, a pleasant thought. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, um, no, it's, it, you know, it could be better, right? It's, the, sure. it's not the most pleasant thought, but like a lot of things in life, you know, uh, they're not necessarily pleasant, but we can find a way to conquer them, to overcome them. And one of the things that we want to look at is uh, your RMDs, you know, guys. A lot of us put away money in retirement accounts, traditional retirement accounts, where you get the tax break when we put it in, right? Yeah, and and then it's going to grow tax deferred, which is all which is all good because the the doing the benefit of doing that. If you guys have seen the charts on it, the difference is that the money you would have taken out of that, you know, let's say it's a hundred grand and had to take twenty out to pay taxes, then you've got only eighty thousand working for you. And doing that every year over many many years, you wind up with a significantly larger amount of money going the tax deferred route because you didn't have to take anything out of it to pay your tax bill. And so you've got more money working for you for a longer period of time. And then you pay the taxes, which you would have paid anyway, but you wind up with more because of the benefit of tax deferral and how you didn't have to take that money out to pay the tax bill. The bad side of that is that when you get to the point you have to take an RMD, a required minimum distribution from that IRA, uh, that, that is going to be taxable money. And when you when you do have to take it, Uh, The increase starts off as very small, but if there's, for instance, one thing I wanted to mention, if anybody's looking to, uh, to try to keep your social security check from not being taxed, chances are really high that just the RMD alone could eliminate that possibility for you.
2: Oh, wow. Okay. And,
0: and and do you see what I mean? Because I do. Yeah. Because the the amount of money you can make is really not, it's not that large. Um, It it might only be 10, it might, might be 10 or $15,000. Meaning, meaning your social security is not taxable if that's your only source of income. Okay. But, um, when you have other sources of income, whatever it is, anything that's considered income or is considered taxable, it could be vesting some stock options. It could be rental income that you get from one of your properties. Uh, it could be any number of things and they will count that in terms of when they calculate what they call your provisional income to determine if social security is taxable. And so I thought it was a good time to talk about it because a lot of folks realize they've got the RMD, um, the required distribution, but they're not thinking about the impact it might have on, on other, uh, parts of your, you know, uh, other parts of your income, your balance sheet, your net worth. In other words, by making your Social Security taxable, when if we'd done planning properly, we might have been able to avoid the tax on your Social Security income.
2: How, I mean, so what are some options to begin to avoid that or at least mitigate it?
0: Yeah. You know, the first thing that I suggest is a Roth IRA. Okay. And, and, and I really think I'm personally convinced that you're far better. I think, let me, let me say it this way. I think the probability is very, very high that, you know, taxes are going to go up over time in particular, you know, if you're looking at a 20 year retirement or 30 year retirement, whatever the length, uh, to me, it seems obvious that the government's going to have to raise taxes. We don't know exactly how or where, um, but I believe they're going to raise taxes, and therefore, I believe we're better off paying taxes now. In other words, pay the tax on a Roth IRA now rather than waiting and deferring it and paying it 10 or 20 years from now. Uh, but it all depends on your own individual situation, right? Sure. Um, this, I can't, I'm not calling this advice. It's, uh, uh, this, this is information that you're free to choose and use however you like. You want to look at your individual tax situation, your overall objectives, things like that. And when you talk to your advisor— You know, you should have them in communication with your tax person if it's not the same person. Um, Obviously, if you use somebody else, if you do your own taxes, then I guess conversation with with you, the the, the client, uh, you know, would be that conversation with the tax person. Um, But I think it's important that people look at the taxes and, and where you're taking your money from because it can impact other vehicles. And, you know, another idea would be a health savings account. The health savings account, I think, is truly the best I don't know if we want to call it a gift, but it's, it's, I would call it the best tool that we've received from the government. And that it's the only truly tax-free account. If you use it properly, the, the Roth IRA, you pay the taxes when you start, right? A traditional IRA, you pay it when you take it out with a health savings account, if you're able to qualify, meaning you've got to have a high deductible health plan, that's HSA eligible. But if you can do that, guys, you should do it as soon as you can, because you can put that money in there. And even if you wind up in a situation later on where you don't have a HSA eligible insurance plan, you don't have to take the money out of your HSA that you, already, that you put in. So in other words, if you're able to do it for even one or two years, I would really strongly recommend that you do it because that's the only money. You can put it away. You get a tax deduction when you put it in. It grows tax deferred and it comes out tax free as long as you use it for health care or medical expenses. And and that is wide ranging as to what qualifies. Sure,
2: and those are the kinds of things that you have discussions like that every day with folks, don't
1: you?
0: Yes, it, it's a key. It is. It, it, these are these are conversations we we have every day, and we want to stay on top, uh, stay on top of these things because the, you know it's like a, the decision that you make now. Let's say a guy's in his you know person's in their forties, making that decision now versus not dealing with it or looking at it or being aware of it later on, that can cost you tens of thousands of dollars that you missed out on in tax savings. Sure. And so the sooner you, the sooner you can start the better.
2: Right. And, but there are, I mean, again, with the HSA in particular, if you're in your forties and you've got an HSA and you start funding that now, Holy cow, that's going to be a big deal by the time you retire.
0: Oh yeah. That should be, you know, if if you're married and you can put in what seven grand a year or something, I mean that could be well into six figures, right? Sure. And, and, and I'll tell you guys, my personal plan, you know, is uh, I, I will be putting, uh, you know, converting everything into to a Roth IRA uh, in, you know, or in my early to mid 60s is my plan. Um, you, you need to be aware also of the implications on Medicare with regard to your income. Uh, for instance, I don't know if you guys, you know, talking about Medicare premium, the increase in Medicare premium can eat up, you know, the increases in your Social Security check. Sure. Uh, the other thing about Medicare, and, and by the way, let me add, there is a hold harmless provision in the law. Uh, so I don't want anybody to think if Medicare goes up by 10% and your Social Security increases by 5% that you lose 5% of that income because that's not the case. There's a provision called that they call hold harmless, and that means no matter how much Medicare in- increases, as long as you're already getting, you're already claiming your Social Security check, guys. That's a key asterisk, all right? If you're already claiming your Social Security, it doesn't matter how much Medicare increases; uh, it, it will not result in a net decrease of your Social Security check.
2: Well, that's good to know. It. I mean, I think that's a good provision. Obviously, I think
0: I, <laughs> I think it's a, I think it's a great provision. Sometimes I'm surprised that they let that one fly. Um, you know, it's a, that's a consumer friendly that's a consumer friendly you know protocol. Uh, the, and the, the reason I mentioned there's an asterisk on that on that uh, issue that we just went over. Is that the people that are waiting to claim your social security in other words let's say you're 67 and you're still waiting to claim social security then there's no limit how much they can increase your medicare premium right Mm -hmm. um and and so i just want to make that clarification some people say that's a benefit to signing up for social security and claiming it earlier all right because when you haven't yet claimed your medicare premium can go up by any amount but if you're already claiming social security it can't go up more than the increase in your Social Security check. I get it. Sure, sure. You see what I'm saying? Yes, so some people claim that as a benefit. I think it's impossible to calculate, though. Yeah, I mean, I, I,
2: I guess it's just a, given the, uh, anyone's given situation is different and whatever makes sense to them.
0: It, it is, and that's why you have to have that conversation with your advisor. You know, if you're married, have it you know with your spouse. And, uh, you, know, you know, because the issue is if you get an 8% increase in your Social Security check by waiting, right, delayed retirement, you get the extra credit for your Social Security, well, what if your Medicare premium goes up that much? Or what if it goes up more than that much? I mean, it's not going to be the same because the Medicare premium is like, what, $130, $150, something like that. And sure. Your Social Security check should be 10 times that. So, you know, but it's an issue that you want to, you just want to be aware of it, right? You want to do the math, be aware, get the information, and then make the decision that's best for your situation.
2: Well, because there's a certain expectation in terms of, okay, this is what my Social Security check is going to be, and you plan on that. And and I mean, obviously take Medicare and or you know, Medicare into account in terms of social security and all of that. But those are again, those are things that you need to know to for your own planning.
0: That, that's you you definitely, you definitely should know that. All right. And these and these are all conversations that you you should be having with your advisor. Um, because there's a lot of you know, the more that somebody gets into it typically, the more they realize how nuanced it is you know, there's all these little rules and implications and, and, and it's like a set of dominoes, yeah. you know, and you hit one or two of them and they're all going to fall. And, and, and it just, when I think about some of those, some of those, I say, you know, if, if they had just done a little better planning or a little better execution, you know, which is what the advisor should be helping you with, it, it could, it could save, a, it, it's not just, you know, cause a lot of times I think people just think about portfolio performance or, you know, what kind of service the person is giving you, and, and, and it's about investment management and, and things like that, they're without thinking about, you know what, that person should be able to save you money in taxes and expenses too. It's not just how much we can make you in the market or things like that. You know, there's a lot of facets to working with an advisor. They should be able to help you grow your portfolio, identify the proper vehicles. They should be able to help you with tax planning in terms of where you take the money out to, you know, minimize your tax consequences and, and many, many other things.
2: And that's why, again, working with someone like you, Kevin, you're an independent, you're a fiduciary, you've got a lot of experience. I mean, those are the things to me that make such a huge difference in working with an advisor. And, you know, it goes, It's the old saying is true, you get what you pay for. And, and you your, your insight, your
0: knowledge, uh, you know, your
2: desire to help makes all the difference.
0: You know, I I really appreciate that. And I, and I, and I think that it does. And I think that you know, it, it's important. I think when you're talking to an advisor, you know, one one question where, you know, a lot of folks know to look for somebody with experience, maybe at least, you know, north of 10 years. I don't know what your, your, somebody benchmark might be. I would suggest a minimum of 10 years, by the way. Sure. Um, you know, but they, they, one thing to ask as a follow-up to that. So the person has been in business 15, 20, 25, 30 years, like me, ask them how many of their clients have been with them for, you know, more than the last, you know, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years.
2: Right. Oh, that's a great right? question.
0: I think, I think it's a perfect follow-on question. You know, what is your client retention, right? Yeah. I think that, that to me is, is, should give you a lot of insight as to, you know, because, because it's it, – it, I, don't, I don't know how to describe it. I hate to necessarily compare it to dating, but sometimes it feels that way. You know, you know they say, you got, you, what, you got to kiss, kiss a bunch of frogs to find your Prince Charming yeah, or something? Yeah, of course, yes. <laughs> you, you, you know, and, and, I, and I think that, you know, a lot of advisors, a lot of people, just like they make, you know, they, they make a good first impression. Right. Sure. And, and right. But I've met a lot of clients because all of my clients, they always have another, they, I shouldn't say, I say always, probably 80% of them are coming from another advisor. Some of them have been doing it, you know, they've been do it yourselfers all their life and, and they, and they want to get a little more help as, as they get into retirement. Um, but I'd say 80% of them already had another advisor and they're leaving them because they're not happy with how things are going. And a lot of times it's about service, you know, like the person never returns your phone call, or they don't respond to your email or whatever it might be. Um, they just don't feel like they're getting the service is that, and it's surprisingly, that's actually a bigger issue that people have as opposed to performance, which always surprised me. Um, because service seems, it's always seemed to me like anybody should be able to give you good service if their intentions are good yeah. and they're doing their job, right? Anybody right. should be able to give you good service, Sure, but not, but not anybody can give you good performance. That's a whole, <laughs> that is a whole nother set. Um, and, and so I think it's, you know, it's a lot of things coming all, all coming together. Right. But guys ask them when, whoever you talk to, whenever you talk to, and obviously I, I, you could probably bet, I wouldn't be bringing this up if I wasn't very proud of my response to this question. Right. Uh, well, of you, course. You know, yeah.
2: You know, I've met a lot of clients. Yeah. Well, and, and they've been with you forever. In many that's, cases. that's what.
0: Yes, exactly. That's what I'm saying. And, and and they they we've got a great relationship. They've been a lot of them since the 90s. Yeah. So,
2: well, and again, I you know I do a segment on, on another show called uh, Brokers Behaving Badly, and the list of these guys and sometimes gals is endless. And you know, uh, you just you just got to be aware, and not and don't be afraid to ask the tough questions. You know, because I mean, that's these, right. these guys, you know, I just did a, I just finished a piece. Um, about a guy, um, who took, I don't know, it was over a million dollars. I want to say 2.6 million, something like that over the course of about eight years. And you know who two of the people he took the most from?
0: No. His parents. Oh no. Really? Is that right? I did. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You know, I didn't, I don't. I don't think I actually heard this story.
2: Oh, um, oh, it's—I mean, it, yeah, it's it, brutal. But I guess that's my point. Don't be afraid to ask the tough questions. And that's why you're working with a fiduciary. That's why you're working with an independent. You, you know, your, your your track record speaks for
0: itself. And 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 and, and I, I I appreciate that. And I and I would also and I'd also say, you know, guys, if anything, you know, I, I'm a big believer in following your gut. Now, maybe you know, it's not necessarily no, I, the, the. I completely
2: high, the, agree with you on that.
0: You know, it's not, uh, for lack of a higher class, you know, high class way of saying that, I guess, I don't know, but I'm a big believer in following your gut. You know, if something doesn't feel right, you owe it to yourself to check it out, look further, turn over a couple more rocks, however you want to look at it. Um, But I'm a big believer in following your gut. I really am. And and I really think that, you know, the conversations that I have with folks, you know, we we like to start off having conversation on the phone just to talk a little bit and and see if we're even in the same ballpark. You know, see if we're going to get along if we, you know, how, how we think does it jive and and just see if we might be a good fit you can do that through a couple of phone conversations then we sit down in person and and i'm not we're, i'm not here to rush you into anything i want to take I, I can move as fast or as slow as anybody want, would like sure and and i'm happy to do it that way some some clients have come on board very quickly others i've talked to for over a year before they started um but you know what they're still clients of me today they're still my clients now even though he took over a year almost 20 years ago uh, but it's, it's worked out very well. And he's referred both his son and his daughter to me. So, um, I, I can move at whatever pace you like, and you should find somebody that you're, so it's fine. The point is to find somebody you're comfortable with, you know, some people will try to pressure you. Um, and, and others will, you know, like one that I want to mention on the brokers behaving badly point, Yeah, uh, is, you know, there was a store, I thought you were, might talk about the same one, and I can't remember this guy's name or even where he's from right this second. Um, but but he wanted, he, what he did, was doing was selling promissory notes. Okay? Oh, sure. And, and folks, the first thing I want to tell you is just my recommendation is just avoid promissory notes. If anybody's recommending you a promissory note, I would run away from it, avoid it, don't entertain it uh, for what it's worth. I don't believe the securities regulators even allow advisors to sell promissory notes. I could be wrong. That might have been updated, but I know that's one of the things that was for verboden at, uh, at the firms that I've worked at. Sure. Uh, you know, it's in this case, what the guy did is he set up corporations, right. And he issued himself. He's the one, the advisor is the one that was doing this. He set up these dummy corporations and he claimed to his clients that these were promissory notes for those corporations, right. And that they're going to pay something like 10 or 12% interest. And 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 it's the old Ponzi scheme. The first few people that put the money into it, they might actually make money because you know the he, the advisor is going to take the money from the newer investors to pay them. Of and course. but at some point, but at some point, it's all going to come crashing down like that house of cards. Sure. Hello, Bernie Madoff. That's it. You know, <laughs> yeah. I that's mean, it. Truly. Yeah. It, it it really is. And so, but but at, overall, promissory notes are something that I think you know everybody should be very careful. I would avoid them first. And and if if you want to seek a lawyer or do some other due diligence, but if you are ever thinking about a promissory note, you need to seriously look into it very 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 hard uh, because most in most of those most of the frauds that I've seen are based around promissory notes. Wow.
2: Yeah. I mean, again, this it's just it's just amazing to me if people would spend that much time
0: doing good <laughs> than trying to rob yeah, somebody. Right? You
2: know, I don't right? get it.
0: Oh no, that's the thing that 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 I always look at. I say, you know. If, if you'd have just put half of that effort into doing a good job, yeah, exactly. you, you know, instead of stealing probably, from mom and dad, you know what I mean? Yeah. You'd be flourishing. <laughs> yeah. You'd be flourishing. Right. Yeah. And, and, but you know what, that, what you're talking about stealing from mom and dad, that's a com, that's a commonality with these, with these frauds too. They don't care who they steal from. You know, the guy that I just mentioned, I think he got away with like, it was it total was, they alleged about 10 million. Oh so. my
2: God. That's a lot of money.
0: Yeah. It, oh, definitely a lot of money. And guess what? He split. He split. The guy took. He drove his car uh, to a parking lot, and he abandoned his car in a parking lot because they found his car like a day or two later. His wife claims she doesn't know where he is. Oh, he's this got is a guy in Atlanta. I think he's I, out of Atlanta. I I, yeah,
2: I followed that, that story.
0: Yeah, I, I couldn't remember where he was from, but he left his car. He de- abandoned his family. Yeah, he stole stole money from his family and his friends. I, I mean, it's unbelievable to me. Unbelievable. Well,
2: and I, in fact, I I keep on. Following up on that story, just because I want to, I want to find out how it ends because it hasn't yeah, ended still, yet. He's still out there. He's still missing, right? And he's he is on the FBI's most wanted list. I saw his poster.
0: Oh, I, okay. I haven't I haven't seen the poster, but I did hear he was you know making some of those lists because I think it's been at least a few months now.
2: Well, yeah, it's been since I believe September is when I, I think he just kind of vanished.
0: Yeah. So, um, I mean, I, I hope they find him and I, and I hope he, he is severely penalized. Um, <laughs> but he's been on the run for what's it eight or nine months. Yeah. And still, you know,
2: still no sign of him anywhere.
0: No. And, and all those people are out that money. A lot of these folks, it was all the money they had saved, the retirement money. Right. Yep. And, and, and there, there's no safety net for them now, you know? And, and so guys, that's, that is one of the reasons, you know, that, um, that i like to say and i like to tell everybody you know that I, everything that i do is you know you'll, you won't make a checkout to me you know i, I work with third-party firms the largest third-party you know clearing agency for instance one of the biggest in the world i believe with pershing uh, and and anytime that client makes an investment with me the money is going directly to that that company yeah. it's you know i would be very careful about making a checkout personally to an advisor and if it's for something, you know, a few hundred bucks here or there for some advisory fees or something, that's fine. Uh, but nothing substantial, nothing, I would say even more than a thousand bucks. Sure. So, you, you know, so you just, you really do have to be careful and please if you, avoid a promissory note if you can. Yeah. Um, this,
2: this guy's it, name was, uh, Chris Barnes or Burns. Okay. I'm sorry. Chris Burns. 39, Burns yes. 39 years old.
0: 39 years old, wife, family, yeah. you know, Yeah. and just chucked it all, um, when he probably could have made a perfectly fine living, you know, staying within the lines. He
2: probably was. Yeah. Like you said, it was peer-to-peer lending
0: is what he, yeah. how he called it, what he Peer-to-peer, it. that's, yeah, that's, that, cause that's kind of a catchphrase in the last several years in the stock market, you yeah. know, yeah. in the business world, peer-to-peer lending, you know, um, it, it's been a, it's been a big topic and a big issue, but he, but he funded it all through promissory notes that were on sham corporations that he put together and he owned. And well, uh, that's just not right. <laughs> <I can't> just <laughs> no, it's really least. not.
2: Yeah. It's really not.
0: You're taking advantage of people. Um, oh, man. You especially know, older people.
2: Volatility in the market is a fact. What isn't so clear is what the ups and downs of the market can do to your retirement portfolio. For answers, call Kevin Brooker at 800 975 6717. Kevin is founder and CEO of Silverleaf Financial, and he's been helping people cut through the noise and create a retirement and income plan that can take you all the way through retirement. Call now for your free financial consultation, 800 975 6717, or just text SILVER to 21000. Call Kevin Brooker today, 800-975-6717, or text SILVER to 21000. That's SILVER to 21000. Do it today.
0: So let's talk about picking a good stock. All right. How do you, how do you pick a, how do you find a good stock? You find a good advisor who can help you. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. You know, that's my suggestion. Number one right there. Yeah. Uh, Just give me, just give me a call. Uh, Guys, I've been doing this 30, this is my 31st year in the business. I started in 1990 and um, you know, I have always, you know, every day, this is essentially what I do. And I've been looking at all sorts of stock newsletters and, you know, services and timing services and you name it. I've tried it. I've checked them out. Uh, it's been very difficult um, to find to find a good, reliable one that does it consistently. Um, but I think I think I finally have have figured something out um, because I've been running a portfolio that's based on uh, I call it rules based. In other words, it, it can be any number of rules. But if you think about guys like Warren Buffett, um, you know, or William O'Neill that started investors business daily newspaper or Peter Lynch that ran the Fidelity Magellan fund back sure. in the, I want, say the 80s. All of these guys they built they built fortunes because they were able to pick winning stocks and and, and so I always say to myself, well you know, how do they do it? and if I can just copy him, why don't I just copy him? I don't need to reinvent the wheel right right and and I'm a big believer in following the people the, the most successful. And so what I did is I uh, I found some portfolios that are rules based and the reason we like the rules is that it takes it, it takes the subjectivity out of it. You know, it has nothing to do with me thinking or having a hunch about something. It's nothing that I heard from a friend or a buddy of mine or a cousin or I got a hot tip. It's, it's based on the metrics that we can measure. It could be revenue. It could be earnings. It could be insider buys. It could be based on technical features, you know, like a chart formation or something. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of different rules you could put in place. The ones that I chose that I went with, uh, when you backtest them, they, te- they show you over 20% annual compounded return since 1980. All right. It mm-hmm. was actually actually back tested about twenty two percent a year, and I said, "All right, this thing looks really good." And so I took it live last July, July fourteenth, I, I believe the net, the day exact day was, um, because I wanted to test the strategy and put it to work. And the great news is that we've been in a really good market. The even better news is that this portfolio has crushed the market. Uh, we closed today up seventy one point eight percent. Holy cow, that's a big number. And. I am very, you know, very, I'm very proud of that and very much looking forward to my one, the one year anniversary coming up here very soon because it's been a short period of time. Okay. It's, it's just been 10 months, a little over 10 months, Yeah. Um, you know, and, and this is a concentrated stock portfolio that I'm calling pure growth. And the reason I'm calling it pure growth is be it's pure in the sense that there's no derivatives. There's no leverage. We're not borrowing money, doing any crazy, you know, uh, you know, exotic instruments or something that wall street likes to do. Um, and growth being is that we're buying growth stocks. They could be as big as something like a Goldman Sachs or a Facebook or a Google, uh, which I, I own all three of them right now, by the way. Um, or they could be these small companies that you've probably never heard of. And, and so it's so in other words, it's small, mid and large companies that I'm buying based on these rules. And, and those are simply filters that I run through my computer and then I, it gives me the ideas. So I start with those and then I use technicals to try to determine entry and exit points uh, and timing. And so, but the portfolio uh, went live uh, that I've been managing for my clients, uh, a select few clients because I wanted to test it with a small sample. Um, But through today's close, we're at 71.8% Amazing!
2: So you used a term there and I want you to tell me what that means. You said you use technicals. What does that mean?
0: Yes, yes. And technicals without getting too deep in the woods, uh, technical, (laughs) technical analysis, Okay. Is, All right. It is using charts and trading patterns to determine a, a good a good time to buy or a good time to sell.
2: Okay. And that's um, and those are the kinds of things that you learn, you know, by by doing the evaluation that you do.
0: Oh yeah, yes, that it that is. Well, like I say, the what I'm trying to prove, what I'm trying to demonstrate is that I have a method for successfully buying and choosing stocks. So we need a stock selection method, is my opinion that that you can that has some rigor that that is you know like jim kramer in mad money likes to say you know rigor and and in other words we, we we've tested it we've done this we've applied it to thousands and thousands and thousands of scenarios um and and that's and, and that's why I like i like to back test to see how these things perform and that's why i wanted to take it live so we're doing it in, in, you know, in real life uh so we start off with the screener and the filter and that gives us the stock ideas and then I look, I, I make the ultimate decision. I don't buy, I do not buy every stock that makes the cut, but I do not buy any stock that does not make the cut. Does You with me there? I am. Yep.
2: That makes perfect sense. Yes.
0: All right. So I've got a basket of stocks to choose from that have all made the cut. And then what I do is I use technical analysis. I look at how the stock has traded in the past. I look at the chart formation. I look to see where the, where there's good support levels, where there's resistance, Things like that that helps me uh, figure out a good time to you know to buy to buy and a good time to and when I should you know shut the door and say I'm wrong, um, and I am wrong probably a third of the time I've been wrong, um, but what I'm doing is I've tried to minimize the losses. I generally don't hold on to something even if it's showing me a temp if it drops ten percent I'm probably out. Okay. Uh, all right. And I'm and this is not a strategy like a lot of times advisors and brokers and like the guys on television the men and women on television will say. We're fundamental value investors, and so we hold on for the long term. And so if stock goes down 20 or 30%, I don't care. I'm okay with that because I'm in it long term. And it's the universal, omnipresent excuse for having lousy timing, is my opinion. All right? I think if you're good at what you do, you should be better at your timing. And, you know, now, now maybe the, <laughs> don't send me hate mail, but that's my honest opinion because I, I personally, I hate sitting on a loser. I just don't like doing it. I don't like looking at my statement and seeing anything down 20%. And and so what I've, what works for me and what's been working is cutting my losses quickly if I'm wrong, because when I get into a stock, I'm looking for it to move within the next couple of weeks, if not, if not the next couple of days. And, and so um, for instance, one of them, I, I, you know, I mentioned, I mentioned on the air a few shows ago that I bought Goldman Sachs. Uh, I mentioned that and we've got about a 10, 12% gain on that, uh, I mentioned Google and Facebook a few weeks ago. We bought those. We're, we're up on those slightly. Those are slight gains, but they are they are uh, profitable. Uh, and one of them I bought a few weeks ago at the beginning of May was uh, in the financial space called Santander, symbols SC, Sam Charlie is a symbol. Um, and we're, it's up 10 or 12% just since the first week in May. Wow! So those are the types of things that I'm looking for. And the reason that I bring this up is that if an individual wants pure growth, we can do, you know, we can set up an entire account you know, with just that focus and with, with that, with those, uh, with those parameters, but that's not your entire account. It's not designed to be for an entire portfolio. Right. Right. Um, And so what I have other clients doing is they say, okay, Kevin, I'd like to put 15%, you know, like one of my, one of my conservative clients has over a million dollar portfolio and she decided to use 15% for stocks like I'm referring to here. So then I, I I go through the same exercises, the same parameters, the same work, um, and I'm buying. I, I I pick up positions in the about ten thousand dollars for her. So she's got you know fourteen or fifteen individual stocks each around ten grand, and those are what we're those are how we're I'm trying to add you know add additional value and add additional growth to the portfolio. Sure.
2: Well, at seventy one point eight percent, that's that's adding substantial value.
0: <laughs> hey, hey! I'm very, I'm very proud of that, you know, and uh, I certainly can't promise it, but I tell you what I'm going to do. I will have, I will be providing the data for anybody that's interested um, of every single stock that the data was bought, the data was sold, the winners and the losers. Um, and anybody is certainly free to go back and look at them. Um, and I'm working on getting testimonials from those clients as well, in case anybody has any doubts.
2: So as you look at this and as you say, you know, you you say that sometimes you, you're you wrong. And so then if it doesn't perform well, you're out after maybe even a 10 percent loss. So is there a, a high end where you say, OK, I've made I've made enough here. I'm going to move on. And, and you take it, the, and you take the growth.
0: It, uh, yes, I do. I do. And, and and um, you know, and, and I've done that with a few stocks. And, you know, sometimes they go higher after I sell them. Um that, that has happened. I you know, I I'm not gonna lie and say that it doesn't happen. Sometimes sure. I sold I sold too soon. Um but you know, I, one thing I really don't like. I hate it when I've got a nice gain in a stock. Let's say I'm up 35, 40 percent, and, and then it drops down and now it turns into 15 percent. I I don't I don't like that. Um this portfolio, this strategy, okay, mm-hmm. is is designed for short-term gains. And I'll tell you, for instance, Louisiana Pacific is one, uh LPX is a symbol. That's one that I I'll have to go back and look at when I, when we picked it up, I want to say we picked it up either December or January. Um, and it did fan, it did phenomenally well. If anybody's followed lumber prices,
2: oh gosh, all right, yes,
0: that stock is okay. Is in that space. Uh, I want to say we made 65 or 70% gain on that stock. Um, you know, it might, it, it may be higher now. It, it may have gone lower. I haven't actually looked at it since I was out of it. Um, but, but what I'm trying to do is simply, I'm trying to maximize the growth. And And by the way, uh i've I've, a lot of the sales that i've gotten out of that i didn't feel they're trading the way that i want them to trade i pulled the plug when i was down one two three percent okay it doesn't i'm not necessarily waiting for ten percent okay my point is i'm looking for them to go higher pretty quickly that's the strategy that that i'm looking for again this is not for everybody it's no promise it's not certainly not a guarantee um, but I can show you the data and I'd be happy to have the conversation with anybody that's interested. I
2: think that's what's so interesting, Kevin, is that you've documented this process that you've done for nearly a year. And it'll be interesting. I would guess at the end of the year, you'll do some sort of analysis and, and lay it all out in black and white. I mean, that, seems pretty, that oh, yeah. seems pretty interesting. And I think would make for, I mean, again, lessons to learn, I guess.
0: It's you know, it, it, it helps me because. You know, a lot of people, for instance, buy their stock based on a brokerage recommendation, you know, so-and-so upgrades so-and-so to a buy, you know, and then they throw out this ridiculous price target, which I think makes absolutely no sense. I don't know. Personally, I would like it if Wall Street would stop, stop issuing price targets. Uh, Who's who's crystal ball are you looking at? I mean, (laughs) How do you know? uh, I think it's, I think it's a joke. Um, You know, so I don't like seeing that at all. I think they should just say buy or sell and that's it. Keep it simple. Um, but I think a lot of people are doing that. and I, I believe there's a lot of conflicts on Wall Street. And so I question you know some of the research that comes out because you know the, although they call it a Chinese wall, you know there's supposed to be a separation between underwriting uh, and invite and advisement and um, you know and the and the retail broker floor. Uh, but you know when you have a company when when a big Wall Street firm brings a company public and they get paid, you know a gazillion dollars in underwriting fees for bringing it public. And then guess what? They come out with a buy recommendation in the stock. <laughs> really? I mean, <laughs> I'm surprised, right? Yeah, I'm supr- my gosh, you're recommending we buy that thing you just made all that money on. Huh? Um, I would love to see them say sell. <laughs> but they think, they, obviously, gonna they're happen. not going not to, that's happen. not going to happen. It's not going to happen. <laughs> okay. But, right. you know, so I'm just, I'm just saying, you know what? I think it's something to be considered. That's all. It doesn't mean that they can't, they can't have a lot of great recommendations. They do. They've got a lot of very smart people working there. Um, but- you know to me i think I, I think they should be separated, and so I get my research from independent research companies that do not engage in investment banking or underwriting they don't engage in m and a activity and mer- they don't advise a company on a merger or an acquisition they don't get paid underwriting fees. all that they do is provide research to guys like me that pay for it, yeah. And and that's where I get my research. And I think that helps me to be independent and objective.
2: I, I think so, too. And again, boy, we uh, this is a fun show, uh, Kevin. I mean, it's, it's so informative. And again, what you're doing here is is remarkable. I love following along.
0: Oh, you know what? I appreciate that. I think I think it's you know I think it's a lot of fun. I, I really I really enjoy uh, I really enjoy doing it. If if all I had to do is manage portfolios for a living, I'd be very I'd be thrilled.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, maybe you can retire and do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the that's the plan. That's the all plan. Right.
0: Fair all enough. Right. So, but we've we've got a few years to go though, for yeah. sure.
2: Well, folks, if you want to reach out to Kevin, it's 800-975-6717, 800-975-6717. Kevin, again, uh, a, a, another great show covering a lot of ground. I love the uh, pure growth updates. Uh, what, what are we thinking? What are you leaving us with before we get into the holiday weekend?
0: Yeah, you, you, you know what? I would, say, I would say, as we talked about researching stocks and finding companies, I would just suggest if you're a do-it-yourselfer to find some companies, do your homework, Find some companies that you want to buy on a little bit of a pullback. I think we're going to have volatility for the next. I, I think over the summer, uh, and you know, if we see the market down four or five percent, you know, be ready to pull the you know to to pull the trigger and fire in and buy something at a discount.
2: Sounds good. So again, hey, have a happy Memorial Day weekend, there, Kevin.
0: Yeah, Steve, you you as well. It's uh, it, it's always fun, man. I appreciate it.
1: Provided this for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute investment tax or legal advice. The covered material has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. There are risks associated with every type of investment vehicle. Please read the prospectus and risk disclosures thoroughly before investing. Insurance guarantees are subject to the insurance company's ability to pay. Neither Silverleaf Financial, Kevin Brooker, host, and guests are responsible for the usage of information discussed. Security and investment Security and investment services offered through Silver Leaf Financial, member FINRA/SIPC. Please consult with an experienced advisor before making any investment decision.